0: Well, it's great to see you all here. I love your church. I love your pastors. I've been able to become a good friend with Michael and Kendall, and I'm getting to know Kyle, and uh, it's just, it's an honor and a privilege to be with you all, Uh, not only because of who you are as people from Woburn and surrounding areas, um, because Jesus is here. As a church, really, there's, there's no other reason to be gathering together unless Jesus has changed the story. That death and sin and sickness and hell, that's not the end. Instead, we have a God who breaks into where we are right now. And we need to be reminded of that. And if you're here with us and you don't believe any of that, you're most welcome. Thank you for coming together to be with us on a Sunday morning. And I also want to give special honor to those this morning. Uh, In the midst of a series, Genesis is in called God Is. Genesis has been focusing on how God is Father, and how He's relational, and He's faithful, and He's bigger, and He's near. He's patient. This morning, we're going to be talking about God as healer. And for those of you right now that are here with us that are suffering from something, maybe your disease is an outward expression of what's going on that's broken in your body, whether you have multiple sclerosis, Maybe you're suffering from brain or breast cancer or some other form and and you're in a really intense phase of that, it's terminal. Maybe you've seen the early signs of Parkinson's or Alzheimer's. Or maybe you're here this morning and, and your disease is more hidden. Maybe someone here is here with HIV. Maybe someone here is suffering from a mental condition. Maybe someone here is dealing with depression or anxiety in an intense clip. You're welcome. We want you here. The church throughout its history is the one who goes to people that suffer from these internal and external disruptions and diseases. Early emperors in Rome's history used to mock but at the same time wonder at the fact when a plague broke out, That is, all the citizens of Rome left, the people that were flooding into the city were the Christians, willing to lay down their lives and nurse people back to health, even if it cost them their lives. And that's what we actually see moments in the church's growth in which people can't explain. They have to believe in a resurrection if they're willing to nurse those that are suffering. Well, speaking about those that are suffering internally, and it seems like No one can see what you're going through. It can be really hard to believe that God is healer. In fact, it can be strange. It can be a strange thing to come in as a 21st century American to come to a service in which we're going to talk about supernatural power to heal, right? Like our medicine and our technology has got us to a place where do we really need to hear this? Is this really true? It's a strange thing. In fact, I want to ask, is anyone a fan of Stranger Things this morning? Yeah. yeah, there we go. We got some people out there. I'm a big fan. I'm a kid of the 80s. So to see a series that shaped around the early Spielberg films in which you're dealing with fantastic things in a small town in the Midwest. I was born in the Midwest. I know Indiana well. So to see a series in which we have Mike and Dustin and Lucas and Will and Eleven dealing with this upside down, this world that can't be seen, and yes, there is a beast, a demigorgon that is chomping at the bit to devour. Say, well, that's just fantasy, right? And yet we're talking about something very similar today. In fact, part of my privilege this morning is to share a bit of my wife's story. My wife, Julie, is here, and uh, the last year's been really hard. Um, She was diagnosed with an autoimmune disease that can get so intense at times that her body stops functioning. Uh, It just starts to break down. And not only that, uh, she seemingly has a genetic disorder in which her body can not absorb B vitamins, which related to how your body not only has energy, but how your brain is able to generate cells. And so in the times when she is dizzy and fatigued and has intense headaches, uh, she wonders, am I going to get those cells back? And there's Alzheimer's in her family. And so there's the potential there. Uh, she also has a bacterial overgrowth that even with the minute things that she can eat, uh, which is not very much anymore, um, the bacteria creeps up into her small intestines and devours those nutrients before they can be even absorbed into her bloodstream. And so she's in a fight right now. But if you see her, she's beautiful. It doesn't look like she's unhealthy. It doesn't look like anything is eating away at her. And yet it's there, and it's a daily attack. It's kind of like the upside down in Stranger Things where everybody else can look around and say, well, everything seems normal. But maybe she's like Will's mother, Joyce, and she's saying, no, it's not. Something's wrong. And part of that, being a southern girl, where she grew up on biscuits and gravy, and she gets confronted with it every meal. She loves food, and yet she can't have it. In fact, the food she eats now doesn't satisfy, not only from a physical standpoint, but even from a taste standpoint. So for those that grew up in the church and you had the prayer, God is great, God is good, let us thank him for our food, they can be wondering, God, are you great? Are you in control? Because it doesn't seem like it. Are you good? Because it never seems like satisfaction or healing is coming. But the beauty of the story of God in scripture is that God gives space for this. The Bible is not a rule book. It's a story of human history in which a God doesn't stay distant but moves towards the people and, in fact, invites relationship in a way in which we can express our anger, we can express our fear, we can express our doubt, and it does not turn him away. He actually pushes in. say, Mike, where do I find this in scripture? Well, the Psalms are a great place. Israel's song, Israel's prayer book, King David, a man after God's own heart, had this to say in Psalm 6, beginning in verse 2. Have compassion on me, Lord, for I am weak. Heal me, Lord, for my bones are in agony. I am sick at heart. How long, O Lord, until you restore me? Return, O Lord, and rescue me. Save me because of your unfailing love. David in this moment is weak, God, are you going to meet me in my suffering? That's what the word compassion means. It's to come alongside someone in their suffering. Heal me, Lord. My bones are in agony. I am sick at heart. How long, Lord? Maybe you're here this morning and that's been the cry of your heart. Whether because it comes out from something that's happening to you, Or to a grandparent, or a parent, or a grandchild, or a child, or a friend, or a spouse. You say, how long, Lord? I thought you would heal. My first point is, God is moving. He moves to bring healing to you in the midst of your weakness. David could cry this out because he believed in a God that not only could hear him, but could do something about it. You say, Mike, when have you experienced weakness? Well back in June on Saturday, June 9th, our church usually meets on Saturday afternoons but we're actually worshiping with another church that was celebrating a baptism or baptisms on Sunday morning and so I had that afternoon free to go and celebrate Pastor Clyde Talley who's the pastor of Belmont Amy, Zion. He was celebrating 10 years. So I was at this dinner and my wife Julie had not had a very good week or morning but she said, no you can go, I'll take care of the kids. And so I went... And after the dinner, I was on my way home, and I looked at my phone, and I had these texts saying, Mike, you've got to come home. Something's really wrong. Please come home, and I listened to my voicemail and in desperation, please, I don't know what to do. And when I called her, I was about a mile away. She said, you've got to call 911 now. And, and the problem was, for some reason, our phone line wasn't working. And so she had tried to call 911, and my oldest daughter, who's 10, had tried to call, and they weren't able to get through. And I said, honey, I'm a mile away. I'll be there. And when I walked in, she was sitting at our kitchen table, and she was frozen. Because in the midst of that voicemail and that call, she said, I can't feel my legs, and I feel like my arms are beginning to shut down. And when she was sitting at the table, she was pale. Her lips were blue. My daughter was like, Papa, I tried to call 911. And so I picked her up and took her to our bed. And at that point, she couldn't move her arms and her legs anymore. And she was praying, oh, God, oh, Jesus. I said, honey, look at me. And she couldn't even focus. So I called 911. Firemen, thankfully, we have a firehouse about a block away. The firemen came first and then the paramedics. And at that moment, I went downstairs And my 10-year-old daughter was writing down, because this is how she is, she was writing down everything that had happened so we'd have a record of it. My 8-year-old daughter was in the backyard, collapsed, sobbing, because she didn't know what to do. My 6-year-old son was on the couch. I went up to him and said, hey, buddy, should we pray? And he said, I'll I'll pray by myself. For him, he needed to internalize that moment and deal with it. And then for my 4-year-old son, who is a trip, and this moment kind of sounds funny, but in that moment... When my neighbor came to our door and said, Mike, what's going on? How can we help? Can we take the kids? My four-year-old son came out and matter-of-factly looked at our neighbor, Marty, and said, hi, the ambulance is here. The ambulance is here for my mom because she's dying. So that was a moment of weakness. Is God healer in a moment like that in which you're crying, your wife can only get out the name of Jesus Your kids don't know how to interpret it as God healer then. Thankfully, the doctors in that moment said what had happened to Julia is that she had had a real low in her autoimmune disease in which her body began to shut down. And our bodies have fight or flight responses, but I guess it can go to another level where it's called a doe response because when deer... If a dear parent, the mother leaves and doesn't come back, does will actually stay in the nest and they won't move to the point a human being could come and pick up the doe because it's frozen in protection, self-protection. And that's what Julie's body was going through. So is God, God, in those moments, is he present? We have a psalm. we have a song, but there's other places in Scripture. In fact, the prophets speak to Healing. In Jeremiah chapter 3, verses 21 through 22a, it says, Voices are heard on high on the windswept mountains, the weeping and pleading of Israel's people, for they have chosen crooked paths and have forgotten the Lord their God. My wayward children, says the Lord, come back to me, and I will heal your wayward hearts. My second point this morning is God moves to bring healing to you in the midst of your weakness, but he also moves to bring healing to the you in the midst of your waywardness. Again, as 21st century Americans, when God doesn't show up in our time, when God doesn't show up how we want him to, when we feel entitled to a response from God, where do we go look for answers instead? Well, you know what, God? I've given you enough of my prayers. Now I'm gonna go look at a medical professional that can really handle this. You know what, God? God, I'm not really feeling pleasure anymore out of this. In fact, my life seems full of pain. I just need a means of escape. So I'm going to go look for a relationship in this way that wouldn't necessarily be in your will, but at least I'll feel good about myself. God, you know what? If life's going to be this way, then let's eat, drink, and be merry because tomorrow we die because you're not big enough to be with me in this. And yet in this moment, Jeremiah the prophet is speaking to a people that did exactly that. God had fulfilled his promises He had brought his people out of exile. He had brought them into a promised land. He had given them a king after his own heart. And yet in the midst of that, the kings after didn't follow God. They began to look to the practices, the divinations, the healings of other people, of other gods, of other lands. And God said, if you really want them, I'll give you over to Babylon. the people were realizing, maybe this wasn't the best road to go. And they were wayward. And yet in their waywardness, God said... Come back to me, I will heal you. So if this morning your journey's been one of being wayward with God, you said, well, I've tried that, I've tried him, I've done this. He's still coming after you to bring healing. That's how good this God is. His action of healing is not based on what you've done, but based on who he is, that he's pursuing you in the midst of your suffering. say, Mike, how do you get wayward? Well, there's times where I wonder, especially as a church planner. Love Genesis. Emmaus City doesn't look like you all. We're a lot smaller. Got multiple mission communities that are reaching to people that are immigrants and refugees in our city, people that are dealing with addiction with the opioid crisis, people that are in the clubs because they think the only way they're gonna be able to pay their next bill is to sell their body. And in the midst of that, I wonder, God, you're going to introduce this disease in our life. What's this part of the story? It's been hard enough as it is. How does this add to your glory? And yet it's been cool because he's pushed me on that. He said, you know what, Mike? My grace is sufficient in weakness. Why don't you boast in your weakness? And by God's grace, Julie and I began to invite people that don't know Jesus, that don't believe him, into our weakness and suffering. It's been wonderful to look at people in which they hear our doubts and they hear our wonderings who don't know Jesus, and they'll say, I don't know what to say. How can I help? And so we've been able to invite friends in to say, could you help with our kids? Could you sit at our table? Could you bring, I have one friend who's a single man, love him to death. I said, do you want to make dinner for us once a month? Again, doesn't know Jesus, doesn't have obligation in terms of a sense of walking out his faith this way and said, Yeah, I'll do that. So this single guy, chiropractor in our city, does these beautiful meals that he brings and feeds our family of six because Julie often doesn't have strength to make meals. It's hard enough for her to handle her own diet besides to feed the five of us. So in that waywardness, God is redeeming things that we thought, what are you going to do here? And a song that I continue to be reminded of in the midst of this is a song called Alive by a band named King's Kaleidoscope. Got to see them in New York City in April. It was cool. Kyle and I actually ran into each other there. And they opened the concert with this song, Alive. And man, this song, when I hear it, brings me to tears because it's this song in response to the other lion. We just sing about the lion of Judah, but Peter talks about there's another lion that's roaming, seeking who he may devour. And Satan, when we're wayward, he's like, yeah, that's right. God ain't meeting you. My wife hates when I use the word ain't, so that was a little throw out to her. God ain't meeting you in your suffering right now. Maybe Satan likes ain't too. Um, and in the midst of your suffering, you know what? Like, yeah, get wayward. It's okay. You can try this, try that. And he likes to take a little nibbles at us. I'll take a bite out of that. I'll take a bite out of that faith, because really, in the end, he just wants us to bleed out. But alive is a response to the enemy. So I'm going to give you some of the lyrics. Again, this is response to the accuser, the deceiver, the one who is a thief, who wants to seek, kill, and destroy. Must keep in mind that you're just a pawn, not in control. No, not for a minute, even when I get pushed to my limits. I belong to the king, mind, body, and spirit. You're a lie. I'm alive. That's the difference. Don't you get that I'm defended? I will never die. It's a battle you can't win. I'm alive. This love, it keeps me alive, and I won't ever have to die your death. My final breath is the birth of life, and I will rise up resurrected, my past and future in Christ. You will never feel my freedom, the embrace of light. I know the power of a new life where fear and faith can collide. You'll never see me in the fiery depths. My soul is kept in paradise until I rise up resurrected. I'm right here, right now, alive, and I can hear the beat of heaven, feel the pulse of life in my blood and in my future. It keeps my feet in the fight. Do we believe in a God that meets us not only in our waywardness? He brings the power of new life where fear and faith collide. He's the one that sends the beat of heaven, the pulse of life that's in our blood, in our bodies right now, and in our future. Does he keep us in the fight? See, when Jesus resurrected, he didn't just come to defeat your personal sin. He came to usurp an empire of death that had reigned from the first moment that humanity decided, we got this on our own. We can manage good and evil on our own terms. See, he came to defeat the whole trajectory of human history. He came to break in new creation to where it's in each person that believes in Jesus right now. Despite your feelings, despite your circumstances, that break-in of life is looking to a time in which the whole earth will be filled with his glory, in which erosion and sin and disease and death will no longer be involved in our lives. He's given us a taste of that. In which cancer doesn't exist anymore, HIV doesn't exist anymore, Alzheimer's, all the autoimmune diseases, as well as the mental health, anyone that is differently abled, there'll be a restoration in a way that you'll have a body like Jesus's. Say, okay, Mike, I hear about how God comes in weakness, I hear about how God comes in waywardness, but what about when I'm bitter? What about when, I, when I've given up? I've heard this story before. I don't believe it. I don't think God's coming. Well, in Exodus chapter 15, verse 26, God says to the people that he's just rescued from Egypt, I am the Lord who heals you. And you know what's special about this moment? God moves to bring healing to you in the midst of your bitterness. Why? Well, in this moment, God had just given victory to Israel. He'd just taken them out of the clutch of the greatest power that had been known in human history at that time, out of Egypt. Physically removed them. They were slaves. They were ethnic minorities. They were an oppressed people. He defeated the gods of Egypt. He took them out of that, led them through the Red Sea. They're on the other side. They're with him. But now they're in the desert. And they're wondering where they're going to get food and drink. And they come to this waterway that tastes bitter and it's called Mara. And that's where God says, I am the healer. When they've seen him do powerful things and then they doubt him. When they know that he can rescue them from the greatest power on earth. And they get to a stream that tastes bitter and they complain. That's when he says, I'm Jehovah Rapha. I'm the Lord who heals you. So in this moment, if you are feeling the bitterness with God, he's still moving towards you to give you healing. I am the Lord who heals you. I can handle your bitterness. And you know why? Because the cost for this healing was Jesus taking the full cup of justice and wrath against sin and drinking that bitter cup for you. See, Jesus fulfills the exodus. He's the physical God who comes. He's the one that wants to buy you back from everything you've sold yourself out to. You say, Mike, when do you get better? When I get better is at the cost of Julie's needs. It's an expensive diet. It's realms of treatment that are out of the limited insurance we have. And not only that, things have broken down, not just in Julie's body, but like house, vehicles, all that stuff. And, and the weight of that can weigh on me. And sadly, my wife can feel that weight of time. She'll sit in bed at night and through tears, she'll say, I'm sorry, I'm so expensive. And I look at her and this is God's grace because it's true. It's like, No, 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 it's because you're so valuable that we get to pay all this. That's what Jesus is saying about you. You're so valuable that I've come to heal. I've come to redeem. I've come to resurrect. You're that valuable. See, your bitterness doesn't stop him from coming. What does it look like when Jesus comes? Well, in Matthew chapter 4, It says Jesus traveled throughout the region of Galilee, the Galilee of the Gentiles, the place where lots of different peoples were of lots of different ethnicities and socioeconomic status and strength, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom, and he healed every kind of disease and illness, the kind of diseases and illness that only hit certain people groups, the kind of diseases and illness that are related to people across ethnicity, across socioeconomic status, Every kind he came to meet with every kind of people. You want to know someone who knew Jesus' healing at a visceral, physical, spiritual, emotional, and mental level? Peter. One of the first miracles Peter saw Jesus do was to heal his mother in law. And she got up and started healing them, serving them, giving them food. Peter saw Jesus resurrect a dead girl that Jesus said, No, she's just sleeping. And her family was like, Are you nuts? We know what death looks like. He said, no. And all he said to that little girl was, little girl, it's time to get up. See, with Jesus' disease and death and sin, all he has to act like is a parent that's just getting their child out of bed. Do you want to get out of bed? Will you come with a childlike faith that's waiting for Jesus to come to you? And when he says, it's time to get up, will you trust his resurrection power can meet you in that way? say mike how can i believe this well peter tells us in 1 peter 2 24 jesus personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right by his wounds you are healed see god makes his final move in jesus to ultimately heal you i don't know why or the how or the when of god's timing of healing But I believe in Jesus' name, there are people here this morning that can be healed by him from things they're dealing with physically, emotionally, mentally. He can do it. Do you want to believe him? Do you want to trust him? Similar to Stranger Things, in which, again, you're like, Mike, this is a fantasy story. I know. C.S. Lewis said that all the myths and stories we tell are pointing to the true myth, In this story, you have a little girl named Eleven who's able to go in the upside down and confront the Demogorgon and rescue. She goes looking for will in the darkness in a place that nobody else seemingly can see. And even as she suffers to rescue, she does it sacrificially. Well, see, Jesus has stepped into your upside down. He knows the darkest places of your heart and your body. And he's willing to sacrifice himself even unto death to defeat it for you. By his wounds, you are healed. See, Jesus' promised new creation ultimately wins. This world will be refined and renewed when he comes back. And we can own our crazy Christians. If you're this morning, you're a follower of Jesus, you're like, Mike, I don't know, can he really heal? We believe in a God that was born of a virgin teenager An ethnic minority under an empire lived fully God, fully man in the flesh, died on the cross, resurrected, said he's coming back, and sends his Holy Spirit to live this out. That's crazy. If we don't believe he can heal, why are we even believing who he is? But if we believe who he is and we believe what he's done, we can trust him in the now, not just for the afterlife. He's that good and that powerful. How do we remind each other of this? Well, Julie's actually received a passage, particularly in a week that was wicked dark for her. It was one where my reminders weren't helping that much. There's times as a husband I need to be silent and shut up and just listen to her grieve and shed tears with her. And then there's other times when I got to fight because it's not just a physical battle. There's an enemy that is trying to deceive her. But God spoke to her. She got this verse, this passage, three times in three different ways in a very short amount of time. In fact, she said, actually, he gave it to me more to remind her again later. But this is 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 14 through 5-1. We know that God, who raised the Lord Jesus, will also raise us with Jesus and present us to himself together with you. All of this is for your benefit. And as God's grace reaches more and more people, there will be great thanksgiving Somehow, through this brokenness, God is reaching more people, and there's more gratitude to come, and God will receive more and more glory. That is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day, for our present troubles are small and won't last very long. I know if you're suffering as someone you know is suffering, it doesn't seem like this is short. But God is with us and giving us perspective. Yet these things, they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone. For the things we cannot see will last forever. For we know that when this earthly tent we live in is taken down, that is when we die and leave this earthly body, we will have a house in heaven and an eternal body made for us by God himself and not by human hands. We can grieve, we can lament, we can cry out like David can. We can say, how long, Lord? My bones are in agony. I am weak. And in the midst of our waywardness, he pursues us, and even in our bitterness, he reminds us again, I'm Jehovah Rapha. I'm the Lord who heals you. I'm with you. Trust me. We can lament, but we can also hope. Why? Jesus became weak, so you will become strong. Jesus drank the bitter cup of your disease in judgment on the cross, so you can drink of his life. Jesus will ultimately heal every one of your diseases and illnesses and give you a body like his. Is Jesus this good? Could he be so good that you would trust him with your pain and disappointment today? Will you taste his healing today? Well, I have the honor of inviting my wife up to close this message. And that word taste is important, and it's going to play out in the song she's going to sing for you, a song that has ministered to her and that has helped our family remember who this God is and what we need from him. The chorus goes, when I taste your goodness, I shall not want And again, that that can be hard because nothing really tastes good to Julie right now. She doesn't have a lot of options. And yet, is the goodness of God enough for her? And at times when she's dizzy, when she can't even, at 9 o'clock in the morning, she knows I'm not going to be able to operate today. Can he be good in that? So I'm going to invite Julie up and the worship and song team to sing this song for you to close the sermon.
1: fear of having i sure.